It's the lowdown on Sports 1444 Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for amazing deals days until February 16th only. 0.9% financing. That's 0.99% financing. Plus a $10,000 cash discount on remaining in-stock Denali half-tons. Visit WolfGMCBuick.com. Lots of feedback. Lots of feedback from our last guest, Rachel Dory, Staff and Graf. Holland isn't going to trade the farm for a rental that Broberg is getting dealt as from for someone with term. Book it, and I mentioned that uh, because I think that that Kyle Dubas will want a first round pick, somebody like Broberg or Holloway, and then something else because that's the deal that Claude Giroux uh, cost the Florida Panthers. And I suspect that somebody would be willing to do that. We don't know that Gensel's available, but if he is, it's going to take a lot. Um, Tide, are we really saying that CC is overpaid at $3 million as our top pairing D-man, even if it is a stopgap solution? Is it realistically going to cost uh, to dump him like Rachel thinks from Cheb? I, I think it's 3.25. I think he's a guy that you can trade in a deal like Tyson Berry a year ago. But... CeCe is is challenged to play the minutes that he's getting because remember now, he was very effective with Nurse and the McDavid line when um, Jay Woodcroft came in. He, he basically made them into a super group defensive pairing with the top line. Now they're playing tough minutes still, Nurse is, with CeCe, and they don't have the McDavid line. The McDavid line works as a five-man unit with the Ekholm and Bouchard pairing. So they're they're no they no longer have cover. And that's why number one, you want to get a really good right winger for the Leon Dreisaitl line, preferably a two-way guy. And you would look at upgrading CC. I don't think it's out there, guys. I, I just don't think they they are available. I don't think a right-handed defenseman who's an upgrade. I saw Red Kagudis just dismantle uh various oilers and I love him, but he's not coming here. Romo was okay. I prefer Buck and Aiken. Chris Olson, Chris Collinsworth are the best color analysts for my money. Ah, I'm reading for the return of Summerall and Madden. Look, I know all those guys. I love Collinsworth. I love Madden. Romo knows his stuff. And Romo tells... All I want from a guy, uh, the, the color guy, is something I don't know. Tell me... Howie Meeker, he was brilliant at it. Tell me what I don't know. Inform me. Make my time worthwhile. I'm watching the game. I watch with the sound down in the hockey games most of the time now. No disrespect to anybody. But I, I find that, that it's distracting to me and it's not compelling. And so I can watch the game in real time, make my own notes, and that I'm better off doing it that way. What we, what we have is, and I've said it before, we have an, an audience that is so uber-focused on everybody that they they learn the cliches they have and then they just hammer them with that. You know, people are like very anti-Louis, for instance. I think Louis's fine. Louis gives good information. The problem that Louis has is that he's on all the time and people have seen him a lot and they get, just like with Romo, they get tired of the verbal and the, the cliches and the, the things that get mentioned a lot. If you listen to me all the time, I'm sure there are things that I say that drive you nuts. That's just the name of it. That's just the way it is. I, th- I thought we would get this earlier, but we have it now. Congratulations to Taylor Swift for winning her first Super Bowl. It'll be interesting where she'll put uh, be put next fall in the NFL. Um, 
that's from cynical trucker Al. I I knew it was coming. It took till hour two, and I appreciate that it did. the The amount of of anger about the Chiefs winning. I remember the first game she went to. We had people texting us chapter and verse, tons of them say, "Well, they're going to lose now. It's all over. She's distracting." And nobody who wrote me that those many weeks ago is texting back to me today and say, "Hey, I was wrong." As it turned out, Taylor Swift didn't impact anything negatively. Turns out they won the whole damn Super Bowl. Maybe she was just cheering for her guy. Declan, do you have an opinion about that? (laughs) I mean, you're probably right. The one thing I've seen that's been tossed around that really resonates with me and hurts me deep in my heart is that she, you know, I I consider myself a football guy, right? I've been a football fan since I was six years old, long as I can remember. I've never seen the Buffalo Bills win a Super Bowl. Taylor Swift has been a football fan for all of three months, mm-hmm. and she has reached the pinnacle. She has seen her team win a Super Bowl. She's seen her boyfriend show up in the big game. Is this a cruel summer for you? A little bit, yeah. Right. And it hurts me. Like I said, it cuts my heart in a way that you guys wouldn't believe. Could you shake it off at all, or is it just going to sustain? Oh, okay. Now I see what you're doing. Um, is there going to be uh, any bad blood? Yeah, there's a little <laughs> bad blood between me and Taylor. Listen, when me and Taylor get together at the you know World Elites party this summer, and mm-hmm. we're kicking back over a glass of champagne, I'll tell her about this. This. And she'll probably apologize because she's a nice girl, but it doesn't sit well with me. I know there are men in the world who who like enjoy the idea of romance and a couple getting together and just loving the heck out of each other. And I don't mean that in a bad way. So I know there are people out there who are down with this and feel it's good. I just can't believe the number of people who are willing to step up and say, this is, I've, I had people tweeting yesterday saying, I'm never watching another football oh, yeah. game. I'm oh, like, yeah. First of all, that's a lie. Number one, it's a lie. You know, because I said I wasn't going to watch another football game, an NFL game, when I saw that stuff coming out of the elevator, and I never did stop watching the NFL. So I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely the wrong guy to be consistent on this issue. But secondly, it's, it's not even a bad thing. It's not no. even like the. Do you want if you want bad, bad press? For the NFL, wait 20 minutes. Somebody's about to do something atrocious. National Felons League, you're absolutely correct. It's an incredibly weird hill to die on because it is, in layman's terms, it is just a famous woman cheering for her boyfriend. And the fact that that can be so contentious and rattle so many feathers is incredible because that's what it is in layman's terms, right? Like, how is that something you get this mad about and something that makes you want to cancel a sport that presumably you've loved all your life? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Pick any sport. Pick a guy who was cheering for his girl yep. and have the same. It would just wouldn't happen. They'd go, oh, isn't that great? Yep. He's there. He's given up his time. <laughs> I, yep. I, I mean, I don't know what Taylor Swift would be doing aside from cheering for him, but I'm sure she's got something to do. She's got a little bit of money to spend between now and the summer. I'm sure she's doing okay. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, do you have an opinion on this, Donovan? I'm just happy it wasn't Travis Kelsey that caught the touchdown to win it for them. Um, that would have been wow. unbearable. You're so you're you're anti Taylor Swift is what we're I'm, coming to. I'm uh, not anti Taylor Swift. Okay. It's just I just he, I didn't want to. When you were see. gone, he he went after organized religion and the Swifties. I heard. I heard. Those, that is. I mean, listen. If there are two groups you don't want to attack, those That's are probably. What I, said. Oh, I, I, I just, know. But he ran through the stop signs. I, wow. Uh, I'm just happy it wasn't Travis that, that caught the touchdown because that would have been unbearable. But. At the same time, you know what? It's good for the NFL. It's good for the league. Good for the the Swifties that got to tune in finally and 
you know. All I want to know is when are we going to talk about the real victims of the Super Bowl? It's just not fair. That's the Eagles fans who had to watch Jason Kelsey walk around with that damn Chiefs thing, whatever the hell he was wearing. He's coming back to the Eagles, right? Oh, certainly. I think he'll be back for, well, I shouldn't say certainly because he did his retirement. I do think he'll be back for one more run. He's got a little left in the tank. He's not going to leave money on the table like that. They still have a roster where they can win. But that's his brother, you know? you got to support his brother. Oh, I'm very happy for him as long as he comes back to the Eagles. I support him every day unless he changes the color of his uniform when he's playing football. But just to circle back, Donovan, I mean, why would it have been so unbearable? Because you seem to be getting passionate about this a little this bit. This is you the same shaking. thing as last like, hour. You know, he bad. did the same thing last hour mm-hmm. when we were talking about Romo and he turns on us. I know, that's what I'm saying. He is the anti-lowdown. He is. I, yeah. I guess he's I am. He's the bad karma. He's the downbeat. <laughs> I've been a shill for you this whole show. I've yeah, done wow. nothing but rub your feet and pluck Look your hair. That. But Donovan's He gave here, you the phone goodness. number for Rachel. He could have left you high and dry. Yeah, no, he's, he, you know, Declan, you've been even nothing but fantastic to me this whole show, but, Thank um, you. that's whole one but hour, ta- <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the whole one hour, but ta- Taylor Swift, just, you know what? Good for her. But I'm at the end of the day, I'm just jealous that I haven't been able to see any, uh, my, my team. Win, yes. win a what, Super what team Bowl is yours? Before, well, the Dolphins before oh, Taylor Swift. Well, I mean, you're farther out than the Bills. The Bills have at least have been in it a few times. The last time the Dolphins won, was it 73? You would know this better than I would. Yeah, yeah it was the undefeated. Yeah. Didn't they win 73? It was the undefeated year, wasn't it? S- well, 72 was the undefeated season, yeah. Okay, but what, did they play the Super Bowl in 73? Yeah, like January, late January well, 73, yeah. So, no, but I will say this. There's hope for you because you're a young puppy. Both of you are. I, I started being an Eagles fan in like 73 and they didn't win until like four years ago. No. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. So you could be in your sixties yeah. when the dolphins finally win. And I can't believe they didn't win with Marino. Honest to God, he was such a great quarterback and he had the two marks. Yep. Clayton and Duper. Yep. Yeah. And, and Mark Clayton was incredible. The kids today don't know about Mark Clayton. He was no, incredible. these kids today. You can't tell them nothing. You can't tell them nothing. These kids today. Um, Lotai, what about Pavel Bachnevich as a potential target to play in the top six? I like. I haven't looked at him, but I've always liked him. Swifties dating football players has gone up by 1,000% from Mike. If you're the NFL, how much product do the Chiefs sell in the last, you know, three months? Too a much. ton. Billions, I would imagine. Here's a, here's the other thing. Like, if you're Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey, that's one thing. If you're, like, a high school football player, you might not want a Swifty as your as your girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, Well, you, you're too young to be yes. having, you know, I know that sounds like old man, <laughs> yeah, old old man, man talking. Club, my but, goodness. but don't get too serious too early. You know, you've got to, you've got to, the, the high school quarterback, I imagine, has, Anyway, we're not going there. Let's move to hockey, shall we? It's safe there. Uh, the orders. I'm going to go around. I'll start with you, Donovan, because the coach comes in and he goes, "We're going to we're going to tweak the the pairings and the lines," and they lose two out of three. I'm not one to to blame the coach. I'm more interested in if he can get them playing uh, well again against Detroit. Do you think that? Coming back and then having a new partner defensively and moving Perry up was disruptive, or do you think it was a wise idea and their checking down is more of the same wisdom? Uh, I think it was a wise idea to, to change around the line, see what you have with everything, right? That's that's just kind of a smart thing after having won 16 games in a row, and then obviously you, you lose against Vegas. But 
I think it was a smart thing to do. I, I think seeing what you have with certain line combinations, if, if things do go awry come maybe playoff time or later in the season when, when stuff isn't just, just isn't going your way, I think it was smart. But at the same time, um, it didn't really work very well, I, I don't think. I think the Perry line with Dreisaitl and Kane was their best line in the last three games, but... I I didn't love the the D pairings. I don't think the D pairings worked as intended, and I. And I'll tell you why, because everybody thinks CC is a weak link, but he's the strongest link they have against the elites. And I love Deharnay, but it's a big ask. You would have to do it in October and wait until like February for him to get used to it. That's my opinion. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh you're, you're, no, you're fine. That's a, that's a good point. That's 100 percent a good point. But I uh, I I think that the the, the forward group hasn't been doing enough recently. Now, I know they scored some goals against the Ducks, but I, and I, I think Knobloch said this himself, they haven't been scoring enough goals to me recently. Though the forward group was kind of more of a concern than, than the defensive group. I, I, is that fair? Yeah, I think that's, and that's why Gagne is playing uh, and, and um, uh, Janmark is not. You know, Janmark is off the Janmark now. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't change the D pairings until before the Anaheim game, right? The D pairings were set when they yeah, played Yeah, that's Vegas. right. Well, they, yeah. they, they, they mulled it. Yeah. Then- I mean, listen, anytime you go into a game against a team like Anaheim, who's you know commonly thought of one of the weaker teams in the NHL, with all due respect, I, I completely get the mindset. You want to test things out. You want to change things up. The streak is gone. Now's the time. You've just got 32 points in, in 17 games. It's all well and good. Uh, so I completely understand the mindset about wanting to try it out with the D pairings. I, I didn't I didn't think you needed to fix anything. The D pairings were so solid on that 16-game win streak. I mean, we saw how defensively sound they were playing. I get you want to shuffle some things around, see what Vinny can do up there playing with Nurse. And, you know, we've talked about the prevailing sentiment being C, being CC's the weak link and dropping him back to that, that pairing with Kulak. So I, I get it. The, you know, the forward pairs, they're going to shuffle them. I obviously I think I, I we just need to have McDavid and dry running their own lines I, I sorry go ahead no I that was just my blank look okay that's my resting bitch face yeah I mean I, I think I've kind of said it all like with the D pairings I understand the sentiment going into that game but you know don't fix what's not broken the forward lines are going to need some shuffling some tooling some touching um, but all in all you know what is weird though what I'm used to seeing you through between a little crack between two monitors i know it's a little so, weird right seeing your full face you know i i had no idea that you were you didn't know, you know i looked like this well you were just you're so you know uh, uh good looking that i'm having a hard time concentrating thank you i appreciate that yeah. you're not wrong say it again <laughs> not a big uh oh my goodness got me off my i think i think i've pretty much uh, wrapped up what i needed to say there okay but. um i will say this that i think that that in life people people often think oh my god the world is a different place they won 16 and now they're on a you know, rolling downhill like a snowball headed for hell. This is good because now the coaching staff has something that they can use as a hammer to say, okay, guys, you weren't listening. You were doing your back passes of the blue line that you were doing the, the, the strange things that end up in the back of the net. Now everybody has to go back and mind their P's and Q's. It's, it's true of all of us, all of us. We all have that moment where we go, Okay, I can do this blindfolded. You know, look at me. I roll in at like eleven forty-five on a good start day. Start to prep. You know, and I mean, all of a sudden now I've got two people working to shore up the show. It's unbelievable. Um, I will say this: that the Edmonton Oilers 
have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. The problem is, so does L.A., so does Vancouver, so does Vegas in the division. And so I think it behooves Mr. Holland to find a Gensel, whoever that might be. It might be a defenseman Gensel. I don't know. They need something to charge this team for the post-deadline run and into the playoffs. Because right now, McDavid and Drysaddle are fantastic. But you know who else is fantastic? Thatcher Demko. Fantastic. LA's got Byfield coming, and he looks like a million bucks. And you know about Vegas, if any great, well-paid veteran doesn't play well in Vegas, they drive him out to the middle of the desert like he's in the movie Goodfellas. The Oilers have to do something at the deadline. They have to announce their presence with authority, and I think that does mean a significant trade. On the way, Jason Greger, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com. Great song, by the way. Well done. Good choice there, Donovan. How are you liking this with the two mics and you? And Is it, is it a lot? Because, you know, you haven't produced for a long time. Is adding another element easy for you or difficult? Uh, well, I've been doing it on the on the Fantasy Frenzy for, for a bit as well. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not too big of a deal for me. Um, obviously, it's just one more thing on the go. Um, I've, I find dealing with the, the caller calling it or you calling a caller and then... Um, having to make sure that the levels come down and the right. music and the hockeys and all that stuff. So when that's all on the go at the same time, that's substantially harder because you're you're in one place and got to be at two places at the same time. So that's substantially harder than, than a you're, second mic. You're doing great. I'm going to tell you a story, okay? Yep. Uh, first place I ever worked was 1440 when uh, you it was on the old post office building, Main Street, Wetaskiwin. And maybe I'd been there a month and they hired a gentleman, I won't say his name, uh, but he went on the air. And he was playing a song, and he left the telephone pot up, and he called his mom. And so you heard the conversation. There was a Conway Twitty in the background, and he's calling his mom. And he said, uh, hi, mom. And she said, hi, honey. He goes, I hate it here. Everybody hates me. And it was, <laughs> it was the type of call that when you're like a kid just leaving home, and you're not comfortable, and you've got the boss was mad at you that's the call it was right so you haven't done that yet we don't we haven't had a personal call from you to somebody else on the air yet so you're doing fine yeah not to my knowledge no maybe maybe there has been one that i don't know about but well, um declan called us bookie <laughs> once and that hit the air but other than that it was fine uh we're just ahead of jason gregor we will tell you that this is per jason when he was down at the rink uh nurse back with cc ekholm and bouchard kulak and deharnay they're all back together again skinner in the starters net top three lines the same and Sam Gagne taking the first few reps in place of Yanmark on the fourth line. Jason joins us now. Um, is that a new hoodie? Uh, it is, Al, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that before. Yeah, it's Are you the Flash? Hoodie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does look like the Flash. You're a little right, bit. Al. Yeah, a little bit. Nice. It just caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're down the rink. Obviously, Gagne in the lineup. They need secondary scoring. That's a part of it, right? Yeah, it's basically uh, so look for two changes. You're going to see uh, Gagne go in in place of Yanmark, who hasn't scored in 27 games or whatever the hell it is. So, mm-hmm. you know what? You can only take penalty killing so far right and ryan mcleod's now going to play with connor brown on the penalty kill for anybody wondering yep and uh then who will play with fogel in that third unit uh, i think dylan holloway in the future will get chances i don't expect it tomorrow though so maybe leon yeah i think leon um 
you know, combination of, of him, Kane, or uh, or McDavid is what I would be guessing, right? Is probably what you'll see tomorrow. So I really, like, if you look at it, Al, it's funny to say in Edmonton, but the Oilers' offense, like that game in L.A., the Oilers' top line was terrible. Um, they weren't good. Yeah, McDavid, the puck would not dance for No, him. like yeah. it was bouncing all of a stick and, you know, missing guys when they're open and stuff. It was odd. So just kind of an off night. But I do think the Oilers... Like Detroit comes in here 10 2 and 2 in their last 14 games. Like yep. it's not going to be an easy game. And actually, nope. then you got the Blues who are rolling, right? They're 15 7 and 1 since their coaching change. And then got the Dallas Stars. So this is this is a good week for the Orders to uh, like when you win 24 of 27, people, oh, you're just going to win forever. They're not going to win forever. But it's funny how to me, their biggest weakness right now is their scoring, which yep. is stunning to me. And I think it's something they have to address. Like the Leon. Dry side line was very good on the weekend. They're their best line. They the were. top line's going to be fine. Yeah. But, you know, McLeod, Fogel, Holloway, they got to get something going, yeah. right? And uh, and their first line, like the one thing Sam Gagne's done when he's got in the lineup, he's produced offense. And and he doesn't need to be with Leon or McDavid no. to do it. That's a big deal. 100% it is. Yeah. So. Um, and, and the coach didn't, uh, he didn't shy away from it. I uh, just said, Hey, you know what? Uh, we, we need more, we need more secondary scoring from down the lineup. So, uh, Sam Gagne will be, uh, will hopefully be that guy that maybe, uh, injects a little offensive life into the orders. The, um, this, 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 I will admit, I don't often get irritated because people are allowed to have their opinions or they don't have to agree with me, but I keep hearing this and I, it, it just, it, it, I don't like it because it's gone on so long and people just have to look up the numbers. So, Evander Kane. All I hear about is Evander Kane can't play. Evander <laughs> Kane had a hat trick on the weekend. Evander Kane at five on five away from Connor Brown has a 52% goal share. When Brown and Kane have played together, mostly when Brown was not up to 100% and he may not be now, they were 2 and 11 together. Take Kane away from Brown and he's playing well. I don't know how hard that is for people to understand. Kane is, he is contributing as he has. Now he's had injury issues, but as a productive player, if you're over 50% and you're on your way to a 30 goal season, I think that's pretty productive. Saying Kane isn't producing is probably one of the dumbest hot takes. Like, there's really no way to defend it. What do you mean he's not producing here? Well, goal for... That's not what you're talking about, right? And and goal, goal share can be very misleading unless, like, you look at... If it was year after year after year after year, guys who get outshot and outchanced, but they outscored, like a Chris Russell, there was actually numbers to show why, right? Mm-hmm. Because he blocked so many shots. All the the shot metrics weren't great, but he never gave up goals. His, his goals against was always the best yeah. or second best on the team. And... Evander Kane scores goals and he doesn't score a lot of goals in the power play, right? He scores goals. So, and, and really, I don't don't even care if you score goals in the power play. Last I checked, you don't get less points. Uh, You don't get deducted because you score on the power play. So I, uh, yeah. And Kane, he's a big power forward. They're a team that isn't overly physical. Uh, like people talk, there's zero reason to get rid of Evander Kane. None. In fact, him and Corey Perry, why do you think they've worked together? They're kind of similar. They're, they're bigger bodies. And Corey Perry knows how to think the game. Like, if you look at playing with Leon Dreisaitl, who did Corey Perry play the first 15, 12, 15 years of his career with? Yeah, Brian exactly. Getzlaff. Yeah. A very similar type of player. Big body, right? Getzlaff was ornery at times, right? Now, it's probably tougher than Dreisaitl because he could fight. But, mm. you know, ornery. Different era, too, though. Yeah, yeah. stubborn player, really more of a passer than a shooter, Right, like Leon's obviously a better shooter than uh, Getzlaff ever was, but I, you see, like they had almost instant chemistry that trio. Yeah, they played very well, and I know the first line's going to get back. So, although like Nugent Hopkins got to get something done here at some point, so he but, has been in the last 
I'd say, dozen games, it's been yeah. very little offense. Very little. So yeah. Kane is, Kane to me is not a guy I would worry about. And the other factor is Kane has been banged up. That, that's the one factor a little bit. He, he always seems to have the nagging injuries, and so that does impact his game. But after the break, he's come out and look how good he's looked. You yeah. know, so he's, he's healthy again. Now, how long that lasts is a question, because for whatever reason, the, the nagging injuries do seem to follow him around. Yeah, and he's also, you know, let's be honest here, he's, a, he's older now, and that does have an impact. Once you turn 30... You know, wait till you get to 60. But once you turn 30, stuff starts falling off a little bit. If he was playing at 60, I would be unreal. He'd be the Yarmer Jagger of the NHL. (laughs) Um, So trade deadline, everybody wants to talk about it. Uh, Jake Gensel's name's out there. I just feel like the, the, the asset cost would be so large for the owners to go get him. Well, and I look at, like, what are the chances that Jake Gensel is here after the playoffs? Not. Right? So if, if you could get another player in or two that will give you two runs at the cup Al? because even no. if the orders win this year let's just say perfect kansas city chief scenario the orders win well they would like to compete again next year right yep. so i don't like the gensel one because the odds of him re-signing in edmonton i think are low They're american low. born player you just look no. at the history of it i'd be surprised so i don't know like i think there's other guys that you could look at that probably would cost less, number one, because I think, as you alluded to, Al, the asset management isn't going to be the best per se. So I think there's other options available. Now, Tyler Toffoli, if he becomes available, I think he's a really good option. And that's the guy I think is actually kind of the perfect fit Mm -hmm. for what they have. Stylistically, he's playing really well. He had 34 goals last year. He can help out score. He has 21 this year. He can score five on five. Uh, He's he's won a Stanley Cup, so he checks off a lot of boxes. Yep. Then there's, you know, Anthony DeClaire is an interesting one because he's a left shot, but he plays right wing, mm-hmm. right? So, so he's an option. I don't. He might cost the least for sure. Well, I think he will because he's his numbers aren't great. Because, but partly of that is he's on a terrible yeah, team. Yeah, he's on a terrible team. He doesn't really like. He's not playing with the McDavid or a dry at center there, right? So oh. that's something. Look at him. Is he clearly better than Fogel? Well, he's a better finisher. He scored thirty goals once, mm-hmm. right? Like Warren Fogel is historically a 13-goal scorer, mm-hmm. right? So maybe he has a great year and he scores 17. That's kind of who he is. And I like Warren Fogle, but I don't see Warren Fogle as my answer to my second line, right? Corey Perry has better finishing hands than Warren Fogle does, right? right? So now Fogle doesn't have the – I mean, Perry doesn't have the speed of Fogle, right? So, you know, could Corey Perry be that guy for two games? It looks like he's been fine, right? Like he probably should have scored in L.A. Well, he should have scored that goal. If you, yeah. if you t- I talked to him today about it. He's like, yeah, I got, you know, I got to bury that, right? Mm-hmm. And It was uh, a hell of a chance. Yeah, uh, but you look at how they create it, how they work off each other, right? Like I think sometimes in the NHL, everybody just thinks, well, Blaze- Mark is Mark Stone a blazer? No. God, no. Is no. Marcia so a blazer? God, no. Like not everybody has to be Connor McDavid, Ryan McLeod flying up and down the ice, Nathan McKinnon, right? They don't have to be. No. Nazem Kadri is pretty impactful in the playoffs when they won. Nachushkin, pretty impactful. Those guys aren't like, you know, blazing speed every time. They're, they're fast, right? Right. It's like people say Kane isn't a fast skater. I'm like, what are you talking about? Kane's a fine skater, yeah. right? Uh, so I don't, I, I don't see an issue with Kane. I know that people have issues no, with Kane, I don't but I, an issue with Kane. I don't think there's an issue like, with him. None, none of Kane's issues are on the ice, in my opinion. No. Right? Like, he gets a little pouty every now and then, stuff like that. But I'm well, like, his media interviews, you know, he, he sulks a little bit, but who, I don't care. Yeah. I'd rather have him be upset that he's not playing. He's, all, he's pretty honest, right? Like yeah. today, you know, you ask him about At least the thing I respect about Kane is he'll answer a question. He I thought his answer that you tweeted out about uh, Riley was interesting. I thought it was the best take. Yeah. Well, because that's, Al, you know, we'll get into that in a sec. But I look at the orders and Getzel, 
I don't see him as the option in Edmonton, just for me. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather, you know, tweak there. I'm pretty hell-bent on the orders needing to improve their fourth line. All right. And, and, and I've said it, and I'll keep, ha- I think, a duo, because Dowd we know is going to cost you a first-rounder. But if you get Beck Malenstein with him, they play together all the time, so you have chemistry right there. It's Now you're just having one guy that has to play in their and line. And they're, they they're for more than this year, right? Like one's an well, RFA. Well, Malenstein's an RFA, and Dowd right. hasn't. So that's the other thing, right? No. So you're, and, and if this both, deal goes off, everybody's going to have to buy you lunch because you've been talking it up so uh, much. Well, but but it makes sense, honestly. Mm. Like for, for the Edmonton owners, it makes a lot of sense. It's a fourth-line center who's in a, who you can play him in Malenstein against the other team's top guys, not all the time, but they play on average more against the best players than anybody does in Washington. Yeah, and, and defensive zone face-offs, which are the toughest. Yes. No. And their numbers are good, Al. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at that and say, hey, if you can do it, and if I have to give up a first, but I get both of those players, and you know, you're know, you going to have a prospect, and you're going to throw in Yanmark or whoever to make yeah. the money work. I get mm-hmm. all that. But to me, that's one that's... Now, other guys might offer more, yeah. right? So it all depends on what the offer is. But I, I'd look at that, and then if I could get a, a Duclair or somebody else on the on the second line... I, I would prefer that than swing everything and put it in Gensel. Well, I'm all for keeping Broberg and Holloway. And and I, the first-round pick is – by the time the first-round yeah. pick helps you, I don't care about that. No, especially That's fine. if you can get guys under multiple-year deals. Right. And so the 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 – and I also am worried that, that like, and we've talked about this before, I love Jordan Eberle, but I don't know that he would come in and be better than, than say, Warren Fogle on the yeah, second line. I actually think Seattle's going to re-sign him. That'd no. be my guess. But I, I agree with you. Eberle, I know Wanye Gretz would love him. And there's, you know, there's people remember Jordan Eberle's a really good player. There's there's no doubt. I don't yeah. think he's he's not the missing piece for me. No, and and... No disrespect, he's had a terrific career, and that was a hell of a draft pick by the Oilers. Oh God! But he's at a, he's at that stage, and they've already got enough guy. Like for me, the the getting a guy who has term, but also is is has legs, and I don't mean necessarily speed, but is it like twenty seven instead of thirty three mm-hmm. or thirty four? I yeah, think that's that makes, really important. That's that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, okay, we have to talk about the Super Bowl. I thought, and I said earlier today, I don't know how to fix it. I'm not a football guy. But the, the 49ers defense, not that the Chiefs looked like they were running sprints in the fourth quarter. They looked done in the fourth quarter. They looked like they had just and, had it all, enough and then a little bit. And it's funny because it's not like Kansas City had been putting together lengthy sh- yeah. uh, drive after lengthy drive. And it just you came to the fourth quarter and like, oh, my God, we've been on the field this long. Right. Like, I think it's a culmination of in the second half. The 49ers had three consecutive three and outs. Right. And so that's where it starts to, I think, just... So you know how you fix it, Al? You don't go three and out on offense in three consecutive series. To me, no. that was the that was the downfall. And it's funny because I said it going into the weekend. Like, it was still hard for me to think that the Chiefs defense, as good as Patrick Mahomes is, the mm-hmm. Chiefs defense was even on par. Like, Mahomes deserved the MVP, no question. The decision-making made, throwing the ball, key times he's running the ball, it was fantastic. I thought he managed that game incredibly well. Yep. Right? But their defense, to get those stops time after time after time in the second half, was huge for that team. Yeah, and they, they the thing about the Chiefs defense, and, and the championship teams do this, it, you need a little bit of luck, and they seem to get it at the right time, you know. And and turnovers occur. I mean, the first drive of the game that they looked, San Francisco looked so strong. You score there, and you kind of set the tone. You know, you punch it in for a touchdown. I I felt like the, even late, I felt like this the the 49ers could win this thing, but the 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 pass to win the Super Bowl 
was the easiest pitch and catch ever because they didn't have the torque. The, the 49ers didn't cover it. They didn't have the torque. They were just out of breath. Well, you watch Tony Romo describe what happened on the outside and the timing of that pattern where number seven on defense, once he thought that Herdman was coming in, now he checks down into Kelsey and he can't get now. That's where he's going and he's done. And it was the exact same play, the corn dog, that they ran against your Eagles last year. Yeah, not that I remember that, Jason. (laughs) You know, and and I love Andy Reid, so I'm glad that that he's, he's there for all of the good times. So my question to you is, if you're the Chargers or the Bills uh, or the Dolphins, all of whom are represented by people in our building who work on Sports 1440, how do you get back past Kansas City? Like, what do you do at the draft? Or what do you do to, to game plan against, I mean, fourth and one, he runs for 15, for God's I sakes. That's, well, that's what I talked about. If, if you look right now, at the Chiefs, I'm sure Bills fans are like shuddering because they're like, God, we did this for a decade and a half with Brady, right? And Dolphins fans, like that division was basically you had no chance yep. for the longest time. And I'm sure Raiders fans, Chargers fans look at the Chiefs because everybody thought, oh, that's, everybody's hopes that this is the year of the Chiefs. Now you look at Snead and they got a lot of guys for potentially free agents. Chris Jones might leave and, you know, it could be a blow to their defense. We'll see what happens. But They've always found ways to get it done. And like, look at Valdez Scantling. Like that guy dropped how many balals at different <laughs> times during the year and then makes a huge catch, right, in the, in the end zone for a touchdown, no less, yeah. in, the, in the Super Bowl. So uh, I give the Chiefs a lot of credit because, you know, when Kelsey got healthy, clearly he was banged up. And, and I think that's the one – I'm always – when I see players who, who struggle much more than you expect – I don't think their skill just erodes. No, unless they're 40. Yeah. I think a lot of times you have to look and say, okay, now it could be a progression slow down, but like Kelsey was like almost a non-factor. Now it also didn't help because the receivers kept dropping two or three balls a game out, right? But that would normally, it would extend drives. But once he got healthy, like you look at him in the, in the conference final and then in the Super Bowl. Look how good he was. Uh, well, that was going on. A man named Nick Taylor was doing... Dude, that was unreal. Stunning stuff at the waistband. I'm, I'm like, you know, he's he's already like... I think he's a, an easy guy to cheer for because of what he did at the Canadian Open. Mm-hmm. And this this was just like... Because when you're when you're trying... When you're being aggressive as a golfer, you might, you might have two birdies in a row, but you're going to put something in the drink. And he was just lights out brilliant. Well, I was watching the first half at first round because we had our uh, fantasy uh, team, the guys in our football league got together and stuff. And so we're watching it, but they had the golf on as well as the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, I was watching the golf more because, you know, I'm watching Taylor and he's down. Oh, man, like it was close. And then all of a sudden, Charlie Hoffman with a crazy eagle, by the way, <laughs> yeah. right? Puts him suddenly he's got a three-stroke lead. And you're like, oh, geez. But... Now he birdies 50, and he birdies 16, and he birdies 18 to tie. And the fact that he birdied the same hole three consecutive times, Al, oh. stunning to me. Like, to birdie, come down the stretch, and he literally had to birdie five or six to win, and he birdies five or six to win. It was, it was clutch beyond clutch for him. And, uh, you know, unfortunate for Hoffman, he's a really likable guy. There's no question about it. But, you know, I loved his reaction. Like, what do you do in that point? You're just like, yep. like golf's different because there, you can maybe put pressure on the other guy in a sense, but if that guy's stroking it well, 
you just got to hope that you can stroke it just as well and, and make the putts. And, and Taylor, it wasn't like they were gimmies, Al, like 11 and a half. Oh, yeah, no. Right? Nine and a half. Those are, those are tough putts. But, man, that was, it's awesome to see for him. And, uh, you know, the, the Canadian young players, you know, with Hadman, obviously got Brooke Henderson on the, on the women's side. It's golf's fun to watch if you're a Canadian yeah. fan right now and you like the Canadians. It is for sure. What's coming up on the show? Well, we are going to uh, talk a lot about the weekend out. We're, we're going to touch base on the the unnecessary level of hyperbole that has gone on in the last 48 hours um, surrounding a certain situation in the sporting world. So we'll get to that. Well, what could that be? And uh, well, we're going to talk, of course, uh, the orders and uh, some areas where I think uh, you could see some tweaks that got it. Ch- and really, like they got to find a drill, Al that just allows them to finish their chances. Because no. even in L.A., they created some good chances. They right? In Vegas, they pro- the Vegas game for sure. L.A., maybe not so much, but the Vegas game, I thought they should have won. But the L.A. game, you get behind, and it's tough to come from behind on the Kings. But the orders, they got to find a way in the first period to be in the game. It's, it's, become, it's become too many weeks now where their first periods are kind of lethargic. Yep. And you, they, I get that you want to be sound defensively, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a little bit more assertive offensively. Yeah, aggression is a good thing. All right, Jason, thank you. Look forward to the show. Thanks, Al. Uh, Jason Greger will be here at 2 o'clock today. And on the way, it's Mama MMA with our friend Declan. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. Poor Declan. I run through the break time. We run the break. And then he's got to listen to about half of Mamma Mia before we get to talk about MMA. But that's the price, man. No, and listen, I lo- I'm here for it. I like the song as well. It gets me going. It gets me in the right mood. So as long, like, if I can listen to that song all the way through, I'm happy to do it. Okay. Well, we won't make you do that because there's lots to talk about today in MMA. There is. There is. UFC 298 is on the uh, horizon this weekend. The UFC fight night that was uh, Jack Hermanson versus Joe Pfeiffer happened this last weekend. Uh, good fun-filled fight card. I'm going to start with that one. What I found I normally do is kind of run through the card and maybe present things in layman's terms. Do, do you like visually run through the card or are you going to do it live here? No, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to matchmake a couple of the, uh, couple of the fights here, I think. You instead. mean you're going to use me as a, some kind of a... like? tackling dummy to actually show the moves or are you just going to talk about them? I'm just going to talk about it. We can mix that in if we uh, ever get on YouTube shortly. Those (laughs) those would be record-breaking numbers. But no, Jack Hermanson versus Joe Pfeiffer was the main event. Jack Hermanson won a unanimous decision. Now, Jack Hermanson is a guy who I think has been long overranked in the middleweight division. He got his top five ranking at the time off of a win against an incredibly washed shocker, Isoza. Anytime he stepped up in competition, Jared Cannonier, Marvin Vittori, um, Roman Dalidze was another one. He's he's fallen short, and he's a guy who sits there. He's just outside the top 10. I believe he's ranked number 11. Joe Pfeiffer was a guy who wasn't in the rankings coming in. Uh, a huge hype train was said to hit very, very hard. Uh, Jack Hermanson dismantled that. Now, Jack Hermanson is a guy, I don't think we can look at Jack Hermanson and give him anyone above him. I just think we've seen time and time again that he is not a guy who's going to be an upper echelon middleweight fighter. I don't think he's a guy who can really make a run for the title. I don't think we can give him any guys in the top five or anything like that. I like him versus Ikram Alaskarov. Ikram is a guy who's 15 and 1 in his professional career. 
had a planned fight with, I believe it was Anthony Hernandez, but I would have to double check. Uh, he's a guy who's 15-1. His only loss was Hamzat Shemaev. He sits just on the outside of the top 15. I think Jack Hermanson would be a great fight uh, for him to break into the top 15 there. I think he matches up with, with Jack Hermanson very well. Um, and I think he's a guy who deserves a shot to finally get in the top 15. So I like that matchup. Joe Pfeiffer, this was a, you know, prove it. Can you, uh, can you be a top 15 fighter? He showed at this point in his career he's not. I think we give him another fringe top 15 guy. A guy who had a great fight this past weekend as well. Same card. Ended up knocking out Brad Tavares was Ger- Gregory Rodriguez. Gregory Rodriguez, is a he's a banger. He's going to stand. He's going to throw hands. I think him and Joe would make for an incredible fight. Those are two guys who, like I said, also kind of sit on the edge of the top 15 there. I think if Joe Pfeiffer or Gregory Rodriguez can get past that, we start to look towards uh, getting them top 15 matchups. So I like those two. The co-main event, Dan Ige versus... Dan 50K Ige, I must say, versus Andre Philly. Dan Ige is a guy... I tweeted this. He needs to be studied because Dan Ige is a guy... Studied? You mean like by medical people or... By scientists, biologists, whatever it is, because he will one-punch knockout unranked fighters... That looks like a Joe Fraser, Ernie Shavers one punch knockout. Maybe he's nervous. <laughs> it could be. I, everyone's nervous when you get in there. But he's a guy who, anytime he steps up in competition, he just seems to get severely outclassed. We saw him one punch KO Gavin Tucker. We saw him one punch KO Damon Jackson. We saw him one punch KO this past weekend Andre Philly. These are all guys who sit on the outside of the top fifteen. And then we've seen him step up: Masvidal, Ivoyev, um, Calvin Cater the Korean zombie, multiple fighters step up, step up in class. And he just has not been there. So again, I don't think we can look forward to give Danny gay. One of the guys who sits there in that top, 15 top 10 range he's ranked 13th right now when you look at a fun fight for him i think billy quarantillo is a guy who he has a fight scheduled but i think he's a guy who uh you know could possibly look to get back into the top 15 i would like to see that against dan Ige. if that fight doesn't happen um you know lerone murphy's a guy who just got into the top 15 i think that fight would be a, be a lot of fun as well as far as andre feely goes andre feely is solidified as a top 15 gatekeeper i don't think he's ever been ranked in the top 15 in his career i don't presume he's ever going to be ranked in the top 15 in his career he's just a guy who's going to put on some fun fights you know he can hang with the guys who aren't quite of elite status um and for a guy like that i think damon jackson is a good fight for him damon jackson riding a two fight losing streak does have a fight scheduled but if he can get past alex hernandez in that one i think him and andre feely makes a lot of sense I have a question for you. Yes. I thought about this last week and I forgot to ask you. Uh, well, actually, we didn't do this. Or did we do it last week? Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. I I'm think we sure. did. Well, a lot of things were said. So um, is there a fighter, mm. either in boxing or MMA, that you, because you like this sport and you would love to do this sport. Yes. Is there one who you just like the style so much, and if you were doing it, you would pattern yourself after him? Oh, well, my favorite, my favorite fighter, Israel Adesanya. This guy was 75-5 and five as a kickboxer. Incredibly, his nickname is The Last Style Bender because his movement is so crisp and so pure. Um, his ability to get his, his ability to move his feet and move his upper body just so he is a touch, an inch out of harm's way is incredible. Now, I do think he's taken a back step here later in his career, but his ability to do that was always impressive. He was incredibly crisp with the striking. Accuracy was always on point. Another guy like that in a lower weight class is a guy by the name of Rafael Fazeev. Rafael Fazeev, also incredibly credentialed Muay Thai fighter. His movement with his upper body, his speed is incredible. If I could just pick a natural talent to have and pattern my fight style after someone, it would be those two because the way they can strike is like nothing we've seen, really. And I know they're not, you know, they're not undefeated or anything like that, but it's just... it's incredible. So they're basically the the uh, MMA 
version of Roger Federer's passing shot. You're just in awe because it is so incredible. I would say that's, uh, listen, I love the Roger Federer reference for one, because I think, you know, I'm a big tennis guy, so I appreciate that. And two, yes, I am in awe when I watch these guys, especially like Israel Adesanya, especially when it was four, three, three, four, five years ago, when this guy was really, really in the prime of his career, his movements and his accuracy were just something like we've never seen. He had an IQ for the fight game that was just incredible. Uh, those were those were two guys I really admire and two guys, like I said, I would want to be if I was uh, in the fight game. Um I would I would use you know swimming references, but Mark Spitz was before your time. I know all about Mark Spitz. Spitz seven uh, seven seven Olympic golds in seventy two, and he did it without a swim cap and without goggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like he was you know no. like cheating with the streamline. No. Well, so. listen, remember because I was a swimmer, so I know all about Mark Spitz. Yeah. And when Michael Phelps got the eight at Beijing, it was like do, whoa. Do you feel like sometimes, no disrespect to our American friends, I love them, that they create stories like the guy has gills. Uh, around athletes who do great things and and it sort of takes away because really, you know, uh, uh, these swimmers in this particular mm-hmm. uh, example, th- they they were talented, but they also had a goal and got the goal. Yes. And I don't think that you implying that they have gills aids the story because the story itself is that you overcame odds because who's going to win that many medals. Right. I think that's the story. Yeah. I don't like, I don't think it detracts from their accomplishments at all. I think it, it works as a compliment. Like if I was a swimmer and I was winning all those gold medals and someone said that about me, I would say, I wouldn't say, Oh, like they're trying to. So if we put you underwater for five minutes, could we create a scenario around that when you came back up? Uh, I, I probably nowadays no, but I'm sh- five minutes is a while. I don't know if I'd be able to stand <laughs> there for five minutes. But I'll tell you, we have to. We used to when I was a swimmer. We used to have to do sets. It was it was either six or eight hundreds, um, and a hundred for anyone who doesn't know is a, is four lengths of the pool or two laps of a long course pool. And we weren't allowed to take a breath. Wow. And if you did, yeah. And if you, and we, I think we did them on about a minute 30. So you, you would have, you know, about 20 seconds for rest, depending how your pace was. And I think if you, not I think, if you breathed on one of the hundreds, it didn't count. How would they know? Oh, well, you have coaches watching from the side of the pool and stuff. What the hell? Those yeah. guys aren't going to get distracted. I mean, I'm sure there are some they miss. Some what about missed your every- nose? You'd never see it. <laughs> no, it's like you you can tell when someone breathes. It's like pretty obvious because the st- you breathe with the stroke. So there's a pretty obvious turn of the head. Like it, it, it's not hard to miss. Uh, but yeah, when we did that. And then if you breathe, you would have to, the set wouldn't count and uh, you would have to redo it. That's so cruel. Yeah. No, it was, well, it was, yeah, because it was all about breath control. And the big thing it was, was for that set is you, you move faster. I don't know how this turned into a swimming. This segment, is like, like in this. gym when I ran on the inside, when we were doing laps, I ran on the inside and I'd get help or not running around all the way around. Um, yeah. Communism but, is what it is. Well, the big thing for it was, and I'll, I'll make this quick because I know you guys uh, probably don't want to talk about swimming. I know too many of our well, listeners Well, we're leaving soon, so the music's going to start. <laughs> don't want to hear about swimming, but uh, you move faster under the water than you do swimming, right? Because no. of the surface Not tension. me, but other people. Sure. So yeah. the, 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 pr- the thing was is they wanted to keep us underwater as long as we could. You have 15 meters to streamline. They yeah. wanted us to use all those 15 to streamline, break the surface, and then you know, go finish your, finish the length, come back off the wall and stay underwater as long as you could. So that was the big thing for, uh, for not breathing. Did you have to shave all your body hair? Uh, I was young enough. Like I was a kid, right? Okay. I was maybe a teenager. Like I, I didn't really have to worry about all that stuff. <laughs> Bet you didn't think you were going to answer that question today. All right. Declan, thank you. You're welcome. UFC 298 this weekend. Everyone tune in. It's going to be great. Volkanovski versus Taporia. All right. We had a great time today. Uh, Rachel Dory, Jason Greger, Declan, 
We all did a great job, I think. Donovan, you were fantastic. Uh, ABBA sounded great. Thanks so much for tuning into the Lowdown. Jason Greger's next. It's time for an update.